Now, how many of you have done that before? You counted, to th- you said, oh, let me, and we'll count to three, and then you keep counting, or nothing happens at three. Anybody want to admit that? Ever done that before? Okay, okay. No one, no one wants to admit this morning what they've done. I'm going to move this a little bit forward. These guys got this sitting over top of here, and, and it's too far. Okay, let's do this. Okay, I like to be closer to you guys. This was better in the first service. The first service, uh, there was nobody in the first four rows. I felt like, you know, I hadn't worn my deodorant or something today. I didn't know what the deal was. But uh, actually, uh, it's summer, and people are kind of in and out, and so there's a different way people sit sometimes. Um, just to answer your question, the 25 of you have already asked, and uh, just to tell you all at one time, no, I am not a grandfather yet. Uh, my daughter did go into hospital Thursday, uh, five weeks early, to have, she's due July 4th to have a baby, and uh, she's had a really long and difficult pregnancy, but uh, they tried to start the process of inducing her, and it has not worked too well. And so this morning, got word a while ago, that finally something is working, and she's starting to have contractions and epidural and all those wonderful things. And so hopefully within the next three days, we will have it. No. <laughs> I'm not getting my hopes up too much, because three days ago, we thought we were going to have a grandchild, and still had it happen. So, uh, uh, so as soon as service is over, shake your hand, I'm out the door. So see you guys later. <clears throat> A little distracted, so hopefully this morning that what I'm saying will make some sense and have some coherency to it. Uh, I have spent the last couple of days a lot of time at the hospital, a lot of time doing some other things, uh, and in between trying to study uh, for today. But uh, this is a topic today, and talking about parenting, we began three weeks ago a series called uh, "Parenting: The Parent Whisper uh, that uh, talked about some of the basic things that parenting is all about because it's so important. I know that not everybody in the church right now currently is a parent, but about 80% of you are. We looked at some of the statistics. So for 80% of you, it affects you directly. You're either a parent of, of a child currently. How many of you have kids at home right now? You still have somebody that you parent? Okay, yeah, the vast majority of you. The rest of you, either you're too young to be doing it yet, but this is important to learn before you get there. And, and if, or, or you're, uh, you know, you've thought about parenting or something like that, you know, and, and then this whole deal is important. So even though it doesn't affect 100% everybody, we realize this is something that's so important in our world. It's something we need to understand, and, and kids do not come with, with owner's manuals. And so we have to do their best to uh, try to raise kids. Now, the Bible is a great, um, is a great manual for, for parenting, though, because it has so many things to tell us about this whole area. And today, we're going to talk about a topic that's probably... One of the most difficult sometimes for people to deal with, but also probably one of the most productive if we do it in the right way. And I'm not going to tell you today that I am an expert at what I'm about to tell you, okay? That I've done this perfectly by any means. Uh, but we have tried over the years to learn how to discipline and use discipline in our homes in a, in a way that would be productive for our kids. So I'm going to be telling some stories about my kids. My son was in the first service sitting right there. And uh, boy, I felt so sorry for him. And uh, so he, he's, he's a man. He can, he can take it. And, uh, and I told a couple of stories and uh, some things that have gone along. So, because all of my experience in parenting, guess what, is with my two kids. And uh, so that's, that's the best stories I have. And I told them when this, I asked permission before this ser- series started to tell some stories. And uh, so that, I have permission to tell all the stories I have. So nothing is, uh, is unknown. Um, in Proverbs 19:18, there's an interesting verse. There's tons of verses in Scripture about this whole topic today of discipline. But nothing is probably more straightforward than this verse in Proverbs 19:18. It says this, Discipline your son or your daughter, for that matter, for in that there is hope. 
Now, we could stop right there, and that'd be a really good verse. You know, discipline your son or your daughter for in that, for in that discipline, in the fact that there is discipline, there is hope. The opposite of that meaning if you don't have discipline, guess what? There is no hope. But then it says this, do not be a willing party to his death. Now, when I read that verse, I'm going, that is harsh. That is harsh. I mean, it says if you don't have discipline in your life, guess what? You're being a willing party. I didn't say this, folks. I'm just reading the verse, okay? A willing party to your child's death. And in the Hebrew there, it's talking about not an instant death, but a long, painful, slow death. You know, have you ever seen this in life where people are not self-disciplined in their own life and they consistently make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again? You're going like, and they're not, we're not talking about kids now. We're talking about adults. And you're going, what is wrong with that person? Don't they get it? And you see a slow, painful death going on in their life. They continually, their life is on a downhill slide. That's the kind of death it's talking about here when it says, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. When we discipline and discipline is in our life, there is hope. But do not be a willing party to his death. This is really a picture, in a sense here, in Proverbs of what happens when we don't discipline our kids. And that's why I entitled the message today, Discipline is Not an an Option. It's something we have to do because without discipline, the Bible says, there is little or no hope. Uh, no normal parent would ever, none of us would ever willingly do something, if we're normal, would ever, ever do something to harm our children, would we? I mean, if you're normal, would you harm your, do you do something to harm your kids? No, you wouldn't do that. And you hear stories of people, even recently here in our own area, stories of people who have done things to, to babies and, and stuff that are just brutal. And you're going like, how, and your first response as a parent is, how could anybody do that to their child? Was that your response when you hear stuff like that? That's my response. How could anybody do that to a child? Because normally what we want to do in a real sense is what we want to do is we want to do what's best for our child. We want our children to grow up and be healthy and mature adults. But the Bible is saying in a real sense here, if we do not discipline our kids, it's almost as bad as as doing something harmful to them. Not disciplining our kids is something we must do. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that the goal of parenting from a biblical perspective, from a Christian perspective, is this. The goal of parenting is to gradually transfer a child's dependence from us as a parent to until the child totally depends or rests upon, his dependence rests upon God. Not simply that a child will move from total dependence when they're a baby, uh, like hopefully uh, Cooper's going to be born. That's the baby. That's my grandson's name. Uh, you know, in the next day or so. And, you know, he's going to be totally dependent upon his parents and upon his grandparents, which will spoil him. And, you know, and other, and other people. But gradually as that child grows, they become less dependent upon the parents and more and more dependent upon other people or more dependent upon themselves. And our goal as a Christian is to get our child to a place where they're not self-dependent, even though they need to have, be self-reliant in some ways, need to be able to make decisions, but to get to a place where they can learn to become and place their dependence upon God. That's the goal. That's the role of parenting. Now, growing up I, as a parent, and when I was in my 20s, uh, there were some great books out that... that that gave some great uh, um, um, help in these areas. And probably James Dobson was my parenting guru. Those of you who uh, uh, were around uh, in the James Dobson era, he's still around, but he, the book Dare to Discipline, I remember that when it first came out. I think I was 
three or something, you know. Uh, but Dare to Discipline was a book that was, that was based, I think, almost on this, uh, this whole premise that if we don't discipline our children, that we're, that we're promoting uh, their uh, ultimate uh, downfall. And then he wrote a, a follow-up book to that called Parenting Isn't for Cowards. I thought that was a great title. Parenting Isn't for cow- Cowards. And those of you who are parents know exactly what he's talking about. Parenting is a tough job. Parenting is something that allows us to, that, that probably can be the most rewarding and the most frustrating thing that we can ever do, all at the same time, on the same day. And so this morning, what I want to talk about for a little while is this whole thing of why is discipline so important? Why would the writer of Proverbs, inspired by God, why would he say this thing that we must discipline our kids because that, in that there is hope? Because if we don't, we are leading or being a willing party to their death. Let me give you a definition, I think a very basic definition of, of discipline. Discipline, I would define it this way. Discipline is, is correction driven by love. Discipline is correction driven by love. It's not on the screen. It's not in your outlines this morning. But it's correction driven by love. A matter of fact, the thing that we're in in, in, a, in, a, in a parent-child relationship, it's a battle of wills, is it not? It's a battle of wills, the will of the child, the will of the parent. And let me parent, tell you, parents, that you must win this battle if you really want to help your child to be all they need to be. It's not about control. It's about helping direct them and help them to go in the direction so ultimately down the road they'll know how to be self-reliant and then be able to give themselves fully to God. I think a light just went out, didn't it? That was weird. Okay, just got dark right in the middle of the room right here. Okay. We're not going to fix the light bulb right now, by the way. Okay. Um, It's correction driven by love. Now, that being the case this morning, I don't want to tell you exactly how to discipline, whether you should spank your children or not spank them, whether you're, uh, you know, you do time out, whether you time to a tree, you know, whatever it is that you do to, uh, to discipline your kids. You know, I'm not going to tell you, we're not going to debate the merits of different types of things, but what I do want to talk about today is this whole thing of what the Bible talks about. If discipline is correction driven by love, then what, what is it that the Bible tells us that are some basic principles that underlie this whole thing of 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 discipline uh the first thing is this the first point is this that discipline must be if it's if it's correction driven by love discipline must be motivated by love discipline must be motivated by love i love this verse and you know you've heard this verse before probably in proverbs 13 24 he who spares the rod hates his son there's some strong words in Scripture about, about discipline. And then it says, but he who loves him, and you can underline and circle that word, he who loves him is careful to do what? To give him every, him or her everything they want, right? That's not what it says. It says, but he who loves him, that your child, is careful to discipline him or her. Because discipline is supposed to be correction driven by love and it must be motivated by love the goal of our of our discipline is not about control the goal of our discipline is to help our children to go in the direction where they make the decisions that god would want them to make so ultimately they'd learn to depend upon god it is a battle of wills though I love this quote from Zig Ziglar I think I put it in your outline if you don't know who Zig that's a cool name Zig Ziglar isn't that a cool name it's the only place you get to use two z's in uh in Yahtzee or whatever that game is. Um, um, Okay. I don't know if you can use proper names, by the way. I don't think you can. Um, I love this quote, though. It says this. A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world 
will be disciplined without love by the great big world. That's a great quote because it's a reality. If you don't help your children to learn discipline in their life, in their little world, in their small ways, you know, it's either, you know, you pay me now, pay me later type thing. If you don't help them along the way to be disciplined in the small things, guess what's going to happen down the road? They'll probably make some huge mistakes. And they will learn discipline by the world. There will be consequences for their actions down the road. So that's one of the reasons that we motivate, that we're, discipline must be motivated by love because we want our children to, we want our, the best for our kids. At least that's what I want. Is that right? Anybody here this morning? You want, is that what you want for your kid? Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay. I know it's summer. Everybody's kind of chilling out in the 80 degree days and you kind of like, a, you know, some of you've got shorts on. So that's really cool. Uh, I'm not going to do that up here. So. Uh, that would be gross. Um, okay. Hebrews 12 says this, and I love this about what God does for us because it's the same relationship. Guess what? How do we know God, generally speaking? What is he usually called? Father. Father. You know, the relationship we have with God is a, father, a father-child relationship. And so it says this in Hebrews 12. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. See, discipline must be motivated by love. And real discipline, the type of discipline we're talking about today, which is correction driven by love, is that which is motivated by love. Let me give you an example of that. Now, this is not the greatest example, but it's the only one I can think of because uh, it's real. Uh, when you do some, there, is there some things in life that you want your kids to do and to be? You got in your mind right now. I want you to think as a parent, or as, even as a, you, you don't have to be a parent. There are some things. If you think you might be a parent someday, you can think about this. Okay? Um, are there some things? Those of you who are parents, you, you want your kids to do or be. What are some of the things we can talk this morning? First service, this was kind of tough, but this morning we can talk. This is your only opportunity. So take advantage. Do what? Respectful. That was the very first thing somebody said in the last service. Okay. Obviously, there's a lack of respect in our world today. That's another sermon. Okay. Okay. Respectful. We want our kids to be respectful. Okay. What else would we like for our kids to do? Do or be? Yes. Self-controlled. Okay. Self-controlled. Just totally not out of control. You know, whatever. You know. What else? Anything else? trustworthy okay we're talking about attributes of kids you know we could go on and on and on and there's all kind of things you want your kids to be do they do those things automatically do they become respectful trustworthy self-controlled just just by just kind of you know being born you know as little as little cooper that's my like i said my grandson's name cooper jarrett logan um i got it memorized already um the thing about it, does he come out of the womb all of a sudden and all of a sudden he's just all of a sudden respectful, trustworthy, self-controlled? Is that how it happens? You give him a pill, is that what it happens? That's what we like. And no, how does it happen? We have to end their life and still certain things, certain disciplines into their life so they'll begin the process of being respectful and doing other things. There's things that we want that, that's motivated by love that we want to happen in our kid's life. And so discipline needs to be motivated by love. The example I want to give you is this. One of the things my wife is going to be teaching this summer, uh, one of the summer classes, and, and she's teaching one on fitness and health. 
Uh, she, she is hugely motivated by that. She has, uh, she has a, a, a bachelor's degree in education, but for years and years and years, she's just been fascinated and, and driven by learning about, uh, about fitness and health. And so she talked to her cousin who was a nutritionist, uh, Florida State grad, and she talked to her. And a few years ago, my wife began to read, 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 read. She's probably read more about fitness and nutrition and health than she, has, than she did for her college degree. And she did a lot of study for her college degree. She loves that. So guess what one of the values in our home that's important growing up for our kids? Since my wife, not me, I'm somewhat this way, but not anywhere near my wife. But so what, what, guess what one of the things was that was important for our kids? Eating healthy. Okay? So guess what the, the battle of the wheels that first took place in our house at an early age? Y'all, none of you have problems with this, right? Your kids will eat anything. You put down broccoli, they'll eat it. You know, spinach, oh, they love it. Fruit, you know, they love everything. You know, right? Yeah. Well, if, you, if that's true, then you have the one blessed child in the whole world. So, two, okay. Well, anyway. But the thing with us was this, okay. The fact is, because that's a high value that we want in our kids' lives, and it's motivated by love because we want them to grow up to be healthy eaters because what you put in shapes who you are. And so we began the process. So early on, guess what we had? It was a battle of the wheels. It's motivated by love, and we had to practice discipline. And the discipline we had to practice is this. In our home, when you were growing up, whatever was put on the table, and it's still that way if you're a child in our house, um, you have to try it. That means you have to take at least two bites of it. That's all you have to do. You've got to eat two bites of something. One bite's not enough. Two bites is what you've got to do. Don't care what it is. We won't put anything weird like tofu on the table, you know, or we do eat some of that stuff occasionally, but not too much. So we do all that. So early on, I remember our, our daughter, Kara, who's in the hospital right now, she, you know, the, the first battle we had with her, she's very strong-willed, and we thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. And I can't even remember what it was my wife put in front of her, but she says, Kara, you know the rule, two bites. She said, no. You ever heard that one before? No, you've never heard that one before. Maybe they're more creative. I don't know. But the issue, she said no. And she said, okay, no problem. You will sit there until you eat their two bites. This was at lunchtime. <laughs> By dinner time, it had gotten cold. She was still sitting there. She could not get up. She could not move. She could not go anywhere. So finally, at dinner time, she said, it's cold. I don't want to eat it. Vicki said, I'll fix that. She sticks it in the microwave, warms it up. She said, okay, there it is. She finally ate her two bites, and then guess what? She had a happy rest of the day, and we never had that battle again with her. Only took one time. My son Keith was a different, pro- was a different story, though. And he's less strong-willed than, than our daughter, but for some reason the food issue was a huge issue with, the, with him. I do remember what it was that we had a battle with him, and I couldn't believe what it was. My wife made homemade vegetable soup. I thought, what a wonderful thing to make you know well it's had beef in it too so it was it had all kind of good stuff in it and it was just tasty we loved it and you know it was it was there and so lunchtime she puts it on the table he was like three or four years old you know something like that and she said two bites just two bites that's all it was he said i don't like it you haven't tried it i don't like it you got to sit there two bites sit there till you know lunch till dinner he said she said it's cold okay here i fixed it warmed it up you not going to like it? Sit there till, till bedtime? He's still sitting there. No, he wouldn't have still sitting there. Um, but what happens is she wraps it up. He thinks, okay, I've won this battle. He goes to bed. He said, you can go to bed now. He goes to bed the next morning for breakfast. <laughs> Warmed up. 
vegetable soup. He finally ate his two bites. It was a battle of the wills, but it was disciplined, motivated with love because we understood that that is a principle we had to end. So we never had an issue with that the rest of, we've not really had much issues with that the rest of their lives. You know, to say that your child won't eat something because, it's simply that you haven't won the battle of wills. The first thing is that discipline must be motivated by love. And love is that, that you want certain values instilled in their life. And you have to make sure you win that process as, as a parent. Secondly, Secondly, discipline must be established through consistency. Oh, this is my favorite topic in the whole world, just about. Because this is the one area where myself and all of you have a problem with it. Except there's like three people in the world that do well with this. My wife's one of them. But, uh, uh, but the issue is, is that I will tell you up front that I'm not always consistent as I need to be in these areas. Because uh, one of the biggest areas where we fall down so often in regards to this whole area of discipline is consistency. And I want to give you some examples of this this, this morning. Um, in Hebrews chapter 12, there actually is a whole passage there beginning with verse 8. But in verse 11, it seems that it says this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, it's saying, you know, when you're doing the discipline, when you're going through the heart, is discipline easy? As a parent or as a child, I'm saying from the parent perspective, because it's, it's a battle. It's a battle. It's a battle we constantly have to stick with and do it. And sometimes it's easier to give in. It seems that way, but it's like pay me now, pay me later. You either deal with the small things now or you pay a big price down the road. It's what's going to happen. And consistency is so important. That's basically what it's saying. It doesn't. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. That is why consistency is so important. Let me give you three examples of types of inconsistency that we have so often in our parenting. One of them I call lifeguard parents. Lifeguard parents are parents who are always or often rescuing a child from the consequences of their actions. Um, Let me give you a couple examples to let you know if you're a lifeguard parent. If you have taken, your, your kid forgot their lunch at school and you took it to them at least three times this last eight weeks, you're a lifeguard parent. If your child had a project due at school... And they kept putting it off and kept putting it off and kept putting it off and never got around to doing it. And you did it for them, or at least did the major portion of that the night before it was due, you're a lifeguard parent. You're helping them. You're not allowing them to be, you're rescuing them from the consequences of their actions. Because guess what? Down the road when they're working a real job and they don't do what they're supposed to do, what's going to happen? It's called getting fired. If they don't do what needs to be done. And they need to learn it now when it's easier in the little things instead of in the big things down, down the road. Um, teens and driving. I love this. In regard to that, you know, so often we have this. I'm going to tell you something that I know that's not politically correct to talk about. It's really tough. But, you know, I really believe in kids earning the right to drive. I don't believe it's just obviously. Our kids is this. That for instance, you know, I know that now is the cool thing to do is just to go ahead and give your child, even though they don't earn it at all, uh, um, a car, like a $20,000 car or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, I've seen a lot of parents do that. Like, oh, 16 years old, I get, the, I get a really cool car. It's because I'm 16. I've got the driver's education class. I know all there is about everything. 
Well, our children, they didn't exactly, that didn't exactly happen in their life. For instance, their first car, both our kids was this. We had a 50-50 deal. We told them way ahead of time when they were 12 years old, we said, when you're 16 years old, if you want a car, this is how it's going to work. Whatever money you have saved by the time you're 16, we will match that. And it's what kind of car we'll get you. We'll help you buy it. You know, if you've earned 50, if you've got $50 saved, you get a, you get a $100 car. <laughs> now, I don't know if there is one of those out there, but we'll try our best to find one. Our son Keith, he actually had saved $1,000 by the time he got 16 years old. Guess what? We got a $2,000 car. We found a pretty good car. He drove for a while. Now somebody else is driving it. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. He, he, had to, we had to, he had to learn that it's not just given to him. He had to learn the consequences. I was, as a parent, wasn't just going to give him something and say, Oh, that, this is, you earned the right to drive because you're a certain age. No. You have to be responsible. We taught two things, the value of money, and it, this is something important as well. Also, we had some other rules in our household, too. We got the consequences about not rescuing. For instance, we told our kids, okay, up to a certain age, we'll pay for, your, pay for your insurance. It'll be on ours unless. There's a big unless. Unless you get a ticket. If you get a ticket, guess who pays it? Not I. You pay it, and you pay any increase in insurance as well. And if you can't afford it, guess what happens? That car, I get to hold the keys to it for a long time until you can afford it again. They have to learn the consequences of actions, folks. I mean, that's, that sounds, oh, the pastor's harsh. No! I believe that the thing we have to do is we have to discipline our kids to tell, teach them down the road when they have big responsibilities that they have to have be, uh, be responsible for their actions. Lifeguard parents. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise, raise your hands, but if you are constantly rescuing your kids from, from the consequences of their actions, you're a lifeguard parent. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. got to learn it the little things so you don't do it in the big things that's part of the reason for discipline discipline and being consistent uh in our actions another type of parent i call i love this parent it's the etch-a-sketch parent you know what etch-a-sketch is don't you they still have them are they still around i think are they i thought maybe they have electronic etch-a-sketches now or something you know the old one was really cool the little buttons you know you, you get and you, and you draw and you do it in the little lines they draw those little lines and then you, what you take it and then when you finish with it if you don't like it, you go and all the lines disappear. Etch-a-sketch parents are often, off all the time, drawing lines. They're, they're, they're making boundaries in their kid's life. And, and the next day, though, they just go, and they're gone. And the kid's going like, okay, yesterday you said this, and today you said this. Which is which? They're just inconsistent in, in boundaries in kids' lives. And, and the kids are just not knowing what's going on. Parents keep moving the lines. There was a study done years ago, and this is a study that was done on the psychology of how kids uh, feel uh, insecure and, and, and insecurity. And the study is basically about they, what they studied was kids that were growing up in different type of environments. And, and basically the environment was this. Kids that grew up with houses that didn't have fences around their backyard and kids that had fences around their backyard. And they watched little kids go out and play. This was their study. I don't know who paid them to do this, but they did. They go out and play in their backyard, and they watched their play patterns. And they found kids that played in yards that didn't have fences around them. They didn't know where the boundaries were. 
that what happened, like I almost fell off stage. Um, I know where the boundary, I can feel it right there, okay? The kids that know where the boundaries were, guess what they did? They found them playing close to the house in a small area because they weren't really sure where the boundaries were. And so they, they, had to, they, were, they were fearful about pushing the boundaries. But kids that lived in houses that had fences around their yards, they would play all over the yard or right up to the boundary because it was clearly marked. Now, what that says to us and what it says about the psychology of things, but also about this whole thing of discipline, if, if we're constantly moving the lines with our kids, we say one day we say this, and the next day we're like a cruise director or something, and that's all we're doing. The, the thing is, if, if we're not consistent in our parenting, and we tell them one thing, and then we don't follow through on that, and we're inconsistent, the kids are, it, it, all it does is grow up insecure kids. Our parenting should be correction motivated by love. And so we have to be consistent in, in drawing the lines and helping kids to do that. It says in Proverbs 29, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace, and he will bring delight to your soul. The thing that we have to understand is that that's so important. I can't stress that enough, folks, that don't ever say, don't do like the lady on the video. Don't ever do that. If you say it, do it. Guess what? Guess what happens after you say it and you don't do it? Kids, they quit. They just after a while just ignore you. They just they just do because they know you're not, you don't mean business. They do. Kids are smart. They know that stuff. The last type of parent I want to talk about in regard to inconsistency is this whole thing of uh, what I call split decision parents. Split decision parents. They're often ununified. Parents not on the same page. Let me tell you, there is nothing more destructive in a household than being two types of parenting styles and you haven't decided how you're going to deal with it. I see that all the time in parents and kids that are coming from divorced homes because they know how to play. A lot of kids from divorced homes know how to play the parents. You know, well, they'll, they'll let me do this. They let me do this. I want to go over and stay with this person because they'll, you know, have you seen that? You know what I'm talking about there? That inconsistency there. Blended families, so often I've heard it the same thing in our, in our world today, but the thing blended families is this, these are my kids and these are your kids, and so we'll treat them. No, at least explain something to you. The two become one in marriage, and I don't care if it was mine and yours, they're ours now. And all rules apply. And if not, we have this inconsistency, these blurred lines in regard to this whole area of making decisions and helping kids along the way. I will tell you that this is probably the one area where my wife and I, we have not, we'll, as of August 4th of this year, we've been married 30 years. And in all the years of marriage, this is the one area where we've had more discussion. We don't, never argue, right? Uh, we just have discussions. Because the reason that we have discussions is because in this area of parenting styles is because we both grew up in two different type of homes. And we're also two very different personalities. My wife grew up in a home from the standpoint, let me give you an example, a standpoint of grades. Her parents were both college graduates. Her dad has two master's degrees. And her parents never made less than an A in school. So guess what her standard for grades were in school? A or failure. That was it. My, my wife graduated magna cum laude from her school. And, uh, and that was, I just graduated I just graduated. My parents were happy. 
Because both of my parents are hardworking, blue-collar people who neither one of them had college degrees, never went to college. My dad worked in a factory, you know, lives, lives a good life with great guys. But their expectations grade-wise were just getting through school and doing, doing well. And so I grew up in that environment. So we've had these, you know, these discussions about what are the expectation levels of grades with our kids. I cannot tell you how many times that, that's come up in all kinds of scenarios. But the one thing that's always true, we try to make it true, was this. Even when we disagreed, we never did it in front of the kids. And we came to the kids with a unified front. And when they came and talked to us about stuff, they heard the same thing. It wasn't you go talk to your mom, you go talk to your dad. It was, okay, they heard the same thing because we had decided that we're going to be a unified front. We're not going to be uh, these split decision parents. Amos 3.3 says this, do, not, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? So if you want to, you know, first thing, discipline must be motivated by love. Discipline must be, secondly, discipline must be established through consistency. The last thing, which is very short, don't talk about very long, is discipline must be accompanied by grace. You know what the word grace means? This is not a word used too often, but grace means unmerited, undeserved favor. It means getting something you don't deserve. Let me explain something to you. Your kids do not earn your love. You love them because they're your kids. Thank goodness God thinks of us that way. But there's certain expectations I have of my kids because I want the best for them. And I will discipline them and help them stay on track. And I'll do my best to do so because I love them, not because to, so they can earn favor with me. Too much discipline is, is done in anger. I believe. And the reason that so often happens is because we're inconsistent and we don't have a plan or we have this, you know, we, or we are not on the same page with our spouse. Those are all reasons that cause some kind of inconsistency and cause us to go and be in anger. I love James Dobson. He says, you know, he had to decide the kind of thing to discipline. He said there's two types of things that you look at in, in a child's life. Either childish irresponsibility. What was the other one? Anybody know? That you don't you don't you don't discipline for childish irresponsibility. You know what that means? It's like Susie just does something dumb because she's six years old and you don't expect her to act like she's twenty, you know, and she just does a childish thing. The other the, the one you do discipline for though is, is when somebody's defiant. When they say no. Even when they're three. Because that is when somebody looks at you, and that's what the type of thing you're trying to shape. He calls it shaping the will without breaking the spirit. And what we're trying to do is we, because we love our children, we want to be consistent, and we want to discipline with grace. We want to yell and scream at them and do stuff like that because we love them. It's correction motivated by love. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I had the greatest conversation with my daughter the other day, just about four days ago before she went to the hospital. I'd taken her over to, uh, uh, she actually, her husband, which, uh, you know, let me tell you, you know you got a good son-in-law when he does a better job of, 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 of just make, taking care of your daughter than you do. I mean, he does things for her. I, I, I want to tell you, if you guys want to learn how to do, be romantic, go talk to my son-in-law. 
He went out and he said, because my, my daughter had, had such a rough pregnancy and everything, he went out to try to find some way of, you know, making her feel better. So he found the place where they do some kind of thing called pregnancy massages. I'm going like, that sounds kind of weird. But he decided to do it. So she t- he couldn't take her over there, so he was working that day. So my wife took her over. I picked her up, took her home. And this was like on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. And we were sitting talking. My, wa- my daughter has been a foster care uh, case worker besides uh, finishing up her master's degree at uh, Bradley in, in therapy and family therapy. And, um, and in doing that, and so we were talking about some of the things she did. And she was telling me, she said, you know, one of the things that's interesting that constantly comes up because she works with young kids, five and six-year-olds, is so often what we do is when we, when we, when we discipline, we always often try to, we say, we tell kids things that we don't want them to do. You know, don't do that. And I'll see kids running around the church. My first thought is what? Where's the parent? No, that's not my first thought. <laughs> My first thought, because I believe that if my child is doing something wrong, you should, and I'm not there, you discipline them. Not harshly, but you, 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 I don't want them to get hurt. You know, so if I see somebody's kid running around about to kill somebody, run into a column out there, I'll say, don't run. My daughter taught me something. She said, you know, what works better is instead of telling them what not to do, tell them what to do. She said, instead of them, don't run, tell them, hey, walk, walk calmly. She says constantly, she says with, with kids that she works with all the time, she's saying things like, and classroom teachers do this all the time. Okay, use your inside voice. Instead of, don't yell! That works a lot, doesn't it? You just did what you told them not to do. Kind of inconsistent, isn't it? But the thing is, as I'm saying here in regard to, we need to think about how we, we discipline uh, uh, it must be accompanied by grace that our, our goal is because we love our children, we want to help them to grow. And in doing so, it must be grace-filled. It must be filled with, not because they, they earn the favor, they don't, just because they do something that's mean uh, that, that everything's perfect, but that we, we want to do it because we're trying to direct them in a certain way. Ephesians 6, 4, and we're going to finish with this, then we'll be finished and sing a song and go home. Um, Ephesians 4 says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Heard that verse before? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I've thought about how that, what that verse means. And in the context of everything else we've said, there's nothing that can exasperate a child or a parent more than inconsistency and harsh discipline. If you don't know where the boundaries are, if, if the kid doesn't know where the boundaries are, guess what? They're going to be exasperated. They're going to be this, they don't know what to do. So discipline, we, what we need to do is we need to discipline promptly with instruction and we need to reconcile. I thought about when my kids were young. And so often what would happen in a, in a situation where I felt good about the discipline was that I would say, hey, you need to be doing this or you don't need to be doing this. And then once they did, I did that, I would put them on my lap and hold them and I would say to them, I'd say, hey, I do this because I love you and I want you to grow up to, to, uh, you know, to be a healthy person. And this, is, this could harm you. It's not done in a harsh way. Discipline with instruction and reconciliation. And I think that's what Ephesians 6, 4 is telling us. Discipline is correction driven by love. Going back to that verse we started with. Discipline your son for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. I don't know about you, but I want my kids to grow up to be, and and I'm glad they have, to be healthy, strong and God-fearing people. And discipline is not an option. 
And discipline needs to be done in love. It needs to be consistent. And it needs to be filled with grace. My prayer is that all of us would learn from what God's word has to say. And, from the, and you know, let me tell you, there's nothing better than finding somebody who does it well and asking them how you do it. I've constantly done it all my life. I've asked people, hey, you're doing it. You can really do this well. How do you do it? What do you do? Because there's nothing truthfully more important in this world in the role that I have as a parent than to help my children to grow to be healthy, strong, God-fearing, God-loving, God-honoring adults. What's your goal in parenting? You'll get, you'll probably get what you plan for. And discipline cannot be an option. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.